Welcome to the Sports and Torts podcast and its presentation of college football's last call. This podcast is powered by the J. Stein Law Firm, a personal injury law firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And now, the boys bring you their thoughts on this week in college football. What is up, everybody? Welcome to week nine of College Football's Last Call. Uh, as always, we appreciate all of you out there spending some time with us, whether it's via the Sports Source podcast or via the Jay Stein Law Ter- Law, excuse me, Jay Stein Law Firm YouTube channel. We appreciate y'all being here, gentlemen. It is always great to be a Georgia Bulldog, but sometimes it's even better than great. And you know what? Watching us dismantle Florida is always one of those times where it's just freaking awesome to be a Georgia Bulldog. And that's where we're at. So, boys, how about them? I love it, man. And uh, there's nothing I like better than beating Florida. And there's nothing I like better for it to be the first time in the history of the rivalry that we've won three straight games by 20-plus points. Um, and to do it without Brock Bowers made it that much sweeter. So go dogs. Happy Halloween. We're recording the night before Halloween and uh, everyone's getting in the spirit. Uh, that was an ass kicking, pure dominance, 36 straight points scored. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. Kirby kind of called off the dogs a little bit there. They scored a touchdown against our 79th string defense at the end of the game. Could have been a lot worse than the score indicated, but I'll take 43-20 any day of the week. Yeah, it wasn't even close. After that first drive that Florida put together, which seems to be a recurring theme with us, you know, teams must scheme that first eight or ten plays pretty good. In this case, even even fewer. Other than that, man, they got nothing till the end. You know, Kirby is dominating this series just like Spurrier did back when we were in college. I mean, the, the tables have completely flipped to the point where the Florida fans are now crying that Georgia should be limited on how many five stars they can sign. Did y'all see that today? Uh, I did. They, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they, they they want Georgia to only be able to have so many studs um, because they want it to be more fair. They're sorry to get their asses kicked every every year. I love it. I've said before that beating Florida is my number one thing every year to see happen. And when it happens the way it did, just aces all the way around. Yeah. So Kirby's six out of seven since he's been the head coach, and. Um, you know, we talk about our buddy Jam Coffee a lot, and he posted a video of how Spurrier was the first, uh, first team to to hang a fifty burger on the dogs in Sanford Stadium when we played the home and home back in the mid nineties, and that uh, Kirby holds a grudge and uh, he lets it loose. We always talk about also how we have the long con here as as well, more on the offensive side of the ball. But what Kirby unleashed on Saturday was the defensive long con. Yeah, they 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 planned and schemed for that first drive, but then after that, we completely shut them down. Um, we had four sacks in the first half. We had eight tackles for loss. Guys that we haven't really seen who kind of were asking where they were all year showed up. Um, Tyron Ingram's Dawkins, who's been hurt all year, comes in, gets a strip sack. Jalen Walker was actually our highest-graded defender uh, all game long. People were like, where's he been all season? So the defense showed up, Carson Beck showed out, and our boy Ladd came back in big fashion and kicked some ass out there this week. So you guys have already hit two of my notes that I made on my little cheat sheet here, much like, uh, what's it, uh, Stallion's Waffle House laminated card. Um, scripted first possession by Florida seems to be an issue for us. And Jalen Walker is going to be good in all capital letters. Um, four sacks in the first half, as you mentioned, but it was kind of across the board. Team's getting healthier. The secondary is fantastic. They, had a co- they, they ripped off a couple of decent runs. That could be cleaned up. Um, offense was just efficient. Bobo once again called a, a great 
game, got everyone involved. There's a, the ball was spread out. Ladd was obviously the star on the offensive side, but Dejan was great. Kendall Milton was great. Honestly, I don't know how Dejan only finished with 95 yards. I thought he had 200 uh, because he broke up like four long runs. Um, but Kendall Milton looked really good. And again, each week we're starting to get healthier. Marius Mim stressed out. Trust, I believe Trust did play. Ernest Green starting to look really good at a couple of massive blocks. But, you know, when you don't hear your left tackle's name called and you don't notice them all game, you're doing something right. Just want to note real quick before we get too excited is Florida's absolutely awful on both lines of scrimmage. So take it with a grain of salt, the four sacks. Uh, they, they led the SEC in most sacks allowed. Uh, poor Graham Mertz. I uh, didn't know where the football was at the time. So for me, uh, super happy for Carson Beck. You know, we talked about his homecoming, and he he delivered every single front. He's got that swag going, guys. He he kind of was jumping around like Stetson Bennett, uh, running around making plays. He's smiling. He just seems so in control. Um, and we were worried, you know, how's he going to be with with his security blanket? Brock Bauer's not there. I'd say he was better. You know, um, and 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 Gans, I think you mentioned it that maybe one of the upsides to Brock being gone is forcing other folks to step up, and that's exactly what we saw happen. Lad, welcome back to the party, bro. Uh, you were officially 100 back. He was great. You mentioned the the running backs. Um, the deep ball is still something Carson's got to work on. Put a little more air underneath it. But uh, other than that, man, I'm really happy with him under center. Just you wait. There's going to be some Heisman Trophy talks coming down the pipe for him, at least getting invited to New York if he puts together a few more good games like this down the stretch. Yeah, so I, I agree. I agree with you. He's 0 for 3 on deep balls. Got to clean that up. But those mid-range passes, passes like the 10 to 19 yards, he, I mean, he's dialed in, and he's got a cannon. I mean, he he's going to put it on you, and these guys got to make plays, and they catch the ball. Uh, but, Gans, I also agree with you regarding the offensive line. If you were to go back into the historical records here, uh, earlier on the season, we were talking about some of the challenges, and is Ernest Green really the guy? I mean, he pancaked dudes out there. We haven't heard his name. He's really coming into his own. We get a Marius Mims back, and, and uh, with these guys continue to work on, like, you know, we're going to do big things. This team is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the, if not the top team in the nation right now. Amen. That. Uh, so just want to talk about Lad for a second. And I, Actually, caught myself watching a little bit of Sports Center this weekend. I don't know why not Sports Center, uh, game day, just a shitty of a show. But one thing that Herb Street did say, and I typically don't quote them or agree with them, but he said Lad McConkey is probably the most underrated wide receiver in college football the past two years. And I totally agree with that. And, and a lot of it is because he's five foot 10, 185 pound white guy that wasn't highly recruited. And, you know, you, you, you want to slot him in as a, as a possession receiver, as a slot receiver. And he's not, he's a game changer. He's definitely our second best receiver, you know, not named Brock. Um, and one of our top five, most important players as it relates to Carson Beck, he's been fantastic. Again, I keep using that word fantastic. I'm going to change it. Uh, he's been great. Uh, calm, cool, and collected. But a lot of that, I would say, goes to the coaching staff, goes to Mike Bobo, uh, goes to his three years in the system. Josh, to your point, look how comfortable he looks back there. Part of that's the offensive line protecting him. They've done a really nice job all season. But he doesn't panic. Uh, again, if I was a defensive coordinator, I would scheme up some exotic blitzes, some stunts, some twists, delayed blitzes. I'd try to just get that guy off his off his mark because if he has time in a clean pocket, he is going to tear you apart, and I'll take him over any other quarterback in the country if you give that guy a clean pocket. For what it's worth, 
against the Blitz this past week, he picked Florida apart too. I mean, maybe Florida doesn't have a good pass rush, but even but even then, he picked uh, Carson Beck picked him apart whether he had time in the pocket or there was pressure. Speaking of, for what it's worth, Gans, I'd hire you as a defensive coordinator over Todd Grantham any day of the week. So, um, you and your exotic calls, you know, we'll we'll take it. Um, speaking of coaches, so Billy Napier again, got the guy sucks. Um, he has this reputation of being aggressive and making these four down calls. Can you all please explain to me this hike between the legs call that he made? And by the way, for us to be ready for that, and for it was Monday, right? Uh, for him to to just do what he did, um, is that something that was preparation? Is that just instincts? Is that just Napier being a complete jackass, or maybe D all of the above? It's it's <laughs> so. Remember last week, I, Gus Malzahn got nominated for for the Jimbo for his bullshit call on a uh, two point conversion. Billy Napier said, hold my beer. It wasn't as important uh, time in the game, but the game was over after that play. That is a look. We could debate all day if they got the first down or they didn't. I, I could have gone either way. Obviously I'm glad that they did it. You do one of two things there when it's fourth and probably 18 to 24 inches, you punt the ball, you're on your own 25, you can punt it. Or if you're going to go for it, do the old tush push. There's no other plate call there, and when they pulled that, it was it was mind-boggling. By the way, that was his second plate call of the game. They ran a double reverse where they took a five-yard loss uh, earlier, and they should have fumbled the ball. It, it, it was just asinine, uh, you know. Sunbelt Billy gonna Sunbelt Billy. You uh, you call. I mean that that changed the game. That that effectively ended the game right there. It was a bonehead play. First of all, it was silly. Sunbelt oh. Billy went deep into his bag of tricks, which which we know is a sign of desperation. We have to start getting that gimmicky. Um, it was one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen. If you need a foot, do the tush push, line up your running back, trust your lineman, fall forward, get a yard. Don't go throwing an oop de oop between your quarterback's legs and getting people killed. And if you're not confident you can get that yard or 18 inches, just pump time out. Feel pump, yeah. Yeah, we, we'd be furious as Georgia fans, kind of like the uh, the Justin Fields fake a couple of years ago. You just get furious when you get started getting cute like that. So the, the tush push, I knew you were going to say that, Gans. Um, that place started, what, with Reggie Bush all those years back? At what point in time did they actually name it the tush push? Because it's got to be recent. It was illegal. You weren't allowed to do that. They changed the rules a couple of years ago. I don't remember where they – when Reggie Bush did it with Matt Leiner, it, it should have been a, a flag. Uh, it's a great name. I'm I'm all for tush push. Who coined? I like uh, the eagle. The Eagles have mastered it this year. They call it the brotherly shove. Also a good name. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm, well, let's just let this one go. So I'm going to say something blasphemous right now, and y'all can agree with me or disagree with me. Um, if you were to throw 19 on the back of Oscar Delp's jersey and just looked at him on the screen, would you think it was Brock Bowers on that first catch for sure? I got to disagree. It was a hell of a catch, a little bit of a high throw, and uh, he supermaned it. Um, you know, he's like a ba- he's a baby Brock, right? Um, a homeless man's version of Brock, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's never going to reach that status, but he is a, uh, a suitable fill-in while nineteen heals up. Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big Delp fan. So, one thing I wanted to add about the game, um, Garrett Danielson. I think every SEC fan base hates Garrett Danielson. Um, so I, I'm not sure he's a homer one way or the other, but. They, the CBS broadcast crew, it must have been whoever was producing it. Um, they absolutely filleted Florida. And I went back and I wrote this that so th- they were trolling Florida the whole game. 
So they, they had graphics, one that said, you know, three in a row, uh, win by 20. That's fair, right? That's that's the past. Then they had a, a graphic, a split screen, and it showed the past two seasons of Georgia and the past two seasons of Florida. It said Florida uh, gone through two head coaches, Georgia, two national champions. Then they went through um, with the Halloween theme. They had a graveyard of all the teams that Georgia's absolutely annihilated the past year. And then their offensive linemen made some stupid remarks earlier this week. He got a holding penalty, or was it the face mask? But he got a penalty. I can't remember which flag it was. And then they they rolled tape on him for his his uh, his stupid comments for the past week. Well done, CBS. Isn't it fun? Isn't it fun watching these games? Yeah. You know what else? You know what else is amazing. Speaking of penalties, I believe we Georgia had like two penalties in this game. Like it was something. It's just this goes back to the the coaching and the level of discipline. We would we've been down to Jacksonville numerous times where we have some ridiculous penalty, some personal foul, hit out of bounds, late hit, whatever it is. This team is so well coached and so um, I don't know what the what the word is, but they are just I mean it's awesome to watch. Just very disciplined team out there. Yeah, that's been our trademark last couple of years, and it's it's no surprise that uh, you add that with talent, and you're going to do what we're doing. All right, switching gears to the other games across the country. Uh, last week, we discussed who the top four were going to be. We all came up with the same five or six teams. So let me ask you guys a question. As we sit here today, uh, biggest contender for Georgia, if I gave you FSU or either of the two teams from the Big Ten, um, where are you going? FSU versus one of the Big Ten teams. Yeah. Arguably, I, I'm, I haven't seen Michigan play a ton this year. There's nothing to really judge them off. Um, Ohio, you know, their their best win is Rutgers. Um, they're blowing teams out. Ohio State's like pretty weak the past two weeks. Everyone's on the Florida State hype train right now. They barely beat a bad Clemson team. It, 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 and they should have lost. They barely beat a bad Boston College team. We haven't had scares like that this season. I don't know. It's a coin flip. I, I guess I'm going Michigan, but they, I don't know. Maybe not. You know what? I'm going to go with Florida State because <laughs> I don't even know. Michigan wishy washy, wishy washy. The reason I change is listen, Michigan probably is the air quote better team, but they try to, they try, they're going to try to out Georgia, Georgia. That ain't, that ain't going to work. Look what happened two years ago and they were still on our play signs. Um, you probably Florida State, they've got big receivers on the yeah. outside. They're real fast. They got Jared Purse and their quarterback's pretty good. I, I guess. I was going to ask is Connor Stallions on the sidelines for Michigan? Do they get to scout some of our games in advance? Um, I, you know, Ohio State last year to me, when we were when we were doing our preview, that was the one team that scared me because they were so explosive on offense, you know, with um with uh, their trio of wide receivers, Marvin Harrison and CJ Stroud. Now this year they 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 lost a wide receiver to the NFL. CJ Stroud's not there. Their quarterback to me isn't that good. They still have uh, Maserati Marvin, who's just I mean he's great, right? Um, but that offense of Ohio State does not scare me. I think I think our offense will actually score on their defense, which is the strength of their team this year. So I'm going to take them out. Uh, Michigan Gansagrithius. I haven't watched him play because they haven't been on on prime time because they played dog shit. Now, they're dominating people, um, and J.J. McCarthy, I believe, is a good quarterback, but they haven't been tested yet. So I'm almost going to default to FSU just because of your points, right? they got some big, tall receivers. they got a really good quarterback. You know, the other thing is, like, you know, maybe is it Washington if they went out? But they've been struggling of late, too. I mean, Max Max Penix Jr. is a, a good quarterback, and they got some stud-wide receivers. But, listen, we get to the Final Four against any of these teams. I really like how we match up because we are a complete – deep team 
Agreed. So to steal, to steal a, a shtick from you, Lawrence, FSU feels a little suckerish to me, right? I feel like that's where the, the you guys just kind of defaulted to them after going through the proper analysis. And I think that's probably where, you know, the money would go. That's where the, the, the big percentage would go. So I, I kind of take them out because of that. Um, I've said before that, you know, watching us versus Michigan versus watching us versus Ohio State, I can't go with Michigan. So I guess I go Ohio State and um, – I feel pretty good about playing them again. So we'll see. I actually like Oregon the best of all the teams. They have the That's loss, <laughs> but I actually like Oregon the best. I was going to go there. I was going to go there after Oregon you know, because they're he's Listen, you know, he Kirby had the playbook from Saban and has made it better. Lanning is like Kirby Jr. out in Oregon. Like he knows he knows the tendencies. Oregon may be the scariest of the bunch. I see. I, I would go if first of all, no team scares me. Right. Um, Missouri scares me the most right now. Uh, but good coach I, talk, good coach that, speak that, right that, there. Coach speak. Honestly, right? I mean, but I would pick probably gun to head Texas, and they're going to shit the bed again. But uh, you know, they've got a really good receiver on the outside who knew pretty well Quinn Ewers is pretty good, and their defense is good. And honestly, their win, well, I don't think Alabama is that great going into Tuscaloosa at night and, and winning by double digits is probably the most impressive win this season that anyone has. Oklahoma, they gone. Right, I love, Gan, I love Gans Belichick on to Missouri, on to Missouri. Missouri. Well, uh, <laughs> they, they, they they gone. They lose to Kansas, which which by the way, Kansas stormed the field, took the goalpost, removed it from the from the um, from the uh, from the stadium. I'm okay with Kansas storming the field. I'm okay with Kansas taking the goalpost. We had a discussion earlier in the year, y'all remember about whether that was a clown move or not. I can't remember what team it was, maybe Ole Miss or something. Uh, are y'all okay with Kansas celebrating the way they did? Hundred percent. I mean, when was the last time Kansas ever beat a top ten team at home? Hey, go Kansas. Enjoy your coach while you have him. He's going to be somewhere else next year. Yeah, there's not much to do in Kansas. It's a flyover state. Rip down goalposts. Go nuts. Isn't it? Isn't it Larry Kansas? Isn't that the name? Of <laughs> Speaking of Larry, uh, two in a row. Does two in a row the sucker bet qualify for a winning streak? I can't remember what major league. What what oh, coach said? Trace. Is it Trace? So uh, you got two. We we nailed you for the Georgia Tech selection, and it's actually a really good game. We were all watching it Saturday night, debating and discussing whether the sucker was going to hit. But uh, take a bow, dude, two in a row. What a hilarious game, by the way. And Georgia Tech, by the way, if you're a Georgia Tech fan, all three of you out there, um, I hope you loaded up on Tums or Prilosec at Costco recently because it's a roller coaster season. They lose to Bowling Green. They lose to Boston College. They beat um, – you know, Miami on Mario Cristobal's bonehead play. They beat a uh, top 20 North Carolina team. Um, it's it's quite remarkable. So, hey, good on tech. It was a fun game. Um, like we said, you know, it, it's it's a little I, – I enjoy it when tech is better. It makes that game at the end of the season a little more fun, a little more enjoyable. So, hey, good on them. That's two in a row for the sucker. But I believe that gets me to five and five on the season. So, hey, yay me. Listen, um, a, I don't give a shit about Georgia Tech one way or the other. <laughs> B, the ACC sucks. I mean, they're not good. They might not be the fifth best conference in football. I don't know what comes after the Power Five, uh, but they're the ACC is terrible. Which, to circle back to FSU's, is why you know who who is FSU? They beat they beat LSU. Who can't play defense worth a shit? Um, the ACC sucks. It'll be interesting when FSU plays Florida, of all things, to see how they hang against a uh, not-so-good Florida team. 
True. So, so to piggyback on your ACC uh, diatribe, which I is that the right word diatribe, um, which I agree with, <laughs> which I agree with you on. Uh, Clemson, Dabo, they gone, they done. He's saying dumb things. Um, it's over there for him. You know, it's funny. Next week's game, Clemson plays Notre Dame, USC plays Washington. On paper, those should have been big games, but the teams you would expect to hold their hold up their ends of the bargain, uh, Clemson, and USC, really have not. Um, I think that's the last time we're going to be able to have to mention Clemson and USC on the show because they are done though. Yeah. Dabo's going to have to, he, he's pretty stubborn. He refuses to use the portal. It, it, it's outgoing. The portal goes out. It's just not coming back in. And it sounds like their, pro- their defense has been pretty good. Their offense is just atrocious. And it, it seems like they'll probably lose a decent amount of kids in the portal this year. So what's how do you how do you feel that we lost AD Mitchell last year? We went out, we got Rara Thomas, and we got Dom Lovett. Right? Seems like a logical thing to do. This guy's not going to do it. He's going to continue to struggle uh, until he adapts, and and by that point, he might have lost the fan base. He's he's four and four this year, seven and seven in his last fourteen. Uh, it's tough sledding uh, north of the border here. Yeah, it's uh, he is starting to remind me a lot of uh, our friend Fish Fry, Paul Johnson from Georgia Tech, who was just so strict in the way that he ran the program. If you commit to Georgia Tech, you can't go take visits elsewhere. If you commit to Clemson, you can't go take visits elsewhere. He hasn't adapted to NIL. He hasn't adapted to the transfer portal. And quite frankly, like, look, if you don't adapt, you die. Look at Saban, right? He he ran. He had the same program focused on defense, running the ball. Offenses got more dynamic. Nick Saban evolved, and he built one of the most dynamic offenses of all time and continued to have that offense until this year. Dabo just refuses to do so. So if he doesn't have a generational talent at quarterback, his teams, quite frankly, aren't very good. So he's got four losses. You know, if if he didn't have two national championships under his belt, I imagine he'd be on the hot seat. And maybe there are some conversations happening behind the scenes. But um, if you're a Clemson fan, you can't be happy with the state of the program. What I do find surprising with both of the games you mentioned this week, Josh, like Notre Dame, who I think is better than average, not great, but better than average. They're only a two and a half point favorite at Clemson. I would think that number would be closer to a touchdown. And then Washington is only four and a half points is only a four and a half point favorite at USC this week. And both USC and Clemson, as you mentioned, are struggling big time. We'll see. So Gans Belichick uh, brought up eyes are on Missouri this week. So let's go ahead and start turning our attention to that game. Three thirty last year. We're all together watching the Georgia Missouri game at your house, Gans, and we had no expectation that would be anything other than just a routine ass kicking. It was anything but that. Came down to the bitter, bitter end. Um, this year, Missouri's not going to sneak up on us. Uh, they come in hot. They come in highly touted, highly ranked. Um, I like their coach, Drink, Drinkwitch, Drinky Witch, however you say his name. Um, what do y'all think, man? I mean, you know, it's in Athens, which is great, but uh, we got another battle in our hands. Yeah. So I think it's great that that we're in Athens. I think they are a well-rounded team. They run the ball really well. Luther Burden is probably the best receiver, not named Brock, in the SEC. Um, that being said, I want to pump the brakes a little bit uh, on Missouri. You go back, and they're getting a lot of hype right now, but there's a reason that they're ranked where they are. Um, you go back through their schedule, right? They got lucky to beat Middle Tennessee State at home, right? They beat Kansas State with a 69-yard field goal at the buzzer. They got lucky to beat Memphis. They won 34-27. They beat Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt 31-20, uh, 
Uh, LSU, they lost to by giving up 142 points to Jaden Daniels. So, listen, they don't have a great resume. They are 7-1. I don't want to take anything away. But they've got to come into Athens. We haven't had a home game in, what, six weeks or something like that. The crowd is going to be hype. It's going to be football weather. I, I think it's just going to be an absolutely raucous atmosphere. The dogs are what, Lawrence? Is it a 14 and a half? Actually, I think it ticked up to 16 today. Um, yeah, dogs are minus 800 to win. Does that mean anything? No, but I just want to level set a little bit. I know I'm not, I know I'm not setting, uh, setting this up for, you know, the way CBS would like it set up, but I think we need to level set a little bit. Uh, don't disagree with any of that red. So yeah, 16 and a half points. Uh, there's a couple things and I do think Brady cooks a good quarterback as well, but there's a couple things that I think are not in Mizzou's favor as they come into Athens. One is, A, yeah, there's going to be no surprises in this game. B, Mizzou is one of the most penalized teams in the country, and they're one of the worst teams defending the third down, whereas Georgia is one of the least penalized teams. We're at home, and we're the best team on third down so far across the country. I uh, Listen, I'm going to Athens. Sammy and I are going to make the trip up there. We'll be between the hedges at 3.30. I'm pretty excited for my first trip to Athens this season. Um, I expect a little bit of what we saw versus Kentucky. I expect a little bit of what we saw versus Florida. And I think the dogs win. I think the dogs cover. And quite frankly, I think Mizzou, if you look right now at 16 and a half, 85 to 90% of the public is on Mizzou. They are qualifying as sucker bet territory right now. I'm waiting for you one of these weeks to pull the trigger on George's opponent because it does come up suckerish each time and you're right. So 23 straight home wins in Athens. 24 is the program record. I think we tie it this weekend. I think that we get number 24. I agree. This has a Kentucky-ish feel to me. Um, a, a team that is, you know, getting hyped up, that gonna be the the bullseye for us. And uh, I think that we just we just take them down. So in the Jason injury report came out unscathed from Florida for, for the Florida game for the most part. Of course, Brock's still out. Lad, we mentioned officially back. Uh, y'all mentioned Amarius Mims. He did dress out last week, did not play. Same with Rod Robinson, dressed out, did not play. Both listed as questionable for Missouri. Um, I don't know. I'm feeling like we might see Mims this week. I mean, Trust was able to come in, do a good job, but let's see what happened there. Uh, our boy Dan Jackson out with a knee injury. He has an infection that uh, got that's caught up with him. So he's the other person that I noticed on the report. But other than that, you know, I think we're looking pretty good. So what should we – you want to give score predictions for the game? I'll go first. Um, I, I see a 37 to 13 type of a deal cover the game's never in, uh, never in doubt. Since I brought it up, I'll go last. Go for it, Lawrence. Yeah, I'm going to go similar. I'm going to go 42 14. All right. I, I've got a little bit different. I do have a cover. I've got 45 23. Uh, Missouri's defense has not been great. They've, they have allowed a lot of points. Um, they've scored a lot though too. They they probably average over thirty points a game. So I, I think I think forty five twenty three is some sort of late crap um, for for Missouri. I don't think that this is going to be uh, um, a nail biter, and I and I hope I'm right. LSU all uh, LSU Alabama is also being played this weekend, which traditionally is a game everybody wants to watch. Not as much shine this year. I mean, I still think it's it's interesting. Um, Alabama wins this, and they just cruise to Atlanta, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, is, it, is it in Alabama this way this year? It's in Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. Yeah. So it's uh, it, Bama's minus three. Um, it's surprising. I mean, listen, this is a, a huge game to decide the West. Like, uh, and I know it's going to be the Gary and Brad will be there with the CBS night game. 
Um, it'll be interesting to watch. I, I think that uh, I think that Bama. I think Bama wins. I think it's going to be a close one. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because LSU can score. They just can't stop anybody. But Bama's got problems on the offensive side of the ball. So that that's what I was going to say. If it ends up in a shootout, I like LSU. I don't think it's going to end up in a shootout. Um, I think it, you're going to see like uh, 24-17 Alabama victory. But but if it does go high, um, I have zero trust in Jalen Milrow uh, to not throw a pick or take a untimely sack. So if, if they score over 30 both teams, I like LSU. I'm hedging myself a little bit there. I honestly don't know how it's going to play out. Is that where game day is this week, by the way? I have no idea. Oh, I was going to ask you guys that. So apologies to all of uh, our Alabama listener friends, but I'm rooting for LSU. I like chaos when it doesn't involve Georgia. You know, let's see a bunch of different teams lose and see how it all shakes out. So uh, go Tigers, as they say. All right, soccer bet of the week. You won it last week, two weeks in a row. We mentioned Lawrence. How are we looking coming up for week nine? Yeah, so a couple games that I've already mentioned that were kind of sticking out to me early. I think Notre Dame feels like a sucker bet. I think Washington feels like a sucker bet. I feel like Mizzou. Mizzou feels like a sucker bet. Um, I really, really, really want to take the dogs, um, but I'm just going to let that one play out. And um, I think USC steps up and uh, beats Washington, or at least covers against Washington. USC plus four and a half at home. Um, they need to they need to make a statement. Washington, it feels that line feels like it's a little bit low. Probably should be closer to a touchdown. So I'm going to take the Trojans um, plus four and a half for this weekend in the soccer bet. Question: Does your sheet show what the over under is in that game? I would love to know what that is. <laughs> it does not. Million. It's got to be. A I'll billion. let Gan. I'll let Gan start his uh, Jimbo, and I'll get you a number. Okay. Well, Jimbo will be quick this week. There. Um, so um usc in general lincoln riley i want to nominate him for giving up 49 points to a terrible cal team uh auburn looked better against cal uh second we've, we've discussed this so i won't go into detail but billy napier's clown calls this week sunbelt billy definitely deserves a spot on the podium uh but but finally this, this is one that's going to come close to home but georgia tech storming the field the, the whole student body storming the field after beating a shitty unc team it was just, and, and watching the videos of it, it was just really embarrassing and, and i'm going to give it to the student body the athletic association on the flats just god awful y'all are the jimbos of the week the jameses of the week however the plural of jimbo is james bow of the week that is let y'all me, let me let me push back on you just a little bit what what has that fan base had to celebrate in the last decade I mean, Paul Johnson's uh, triple option, you know, I, I don't know. It, uh, Brent, uh, not Brent Key, uh, the last guys, Capri Pants. Um, it was just just watching the people on the field doing their dance. It, they beat a bad UNC team. The when you say buzzer, you said it all. Was the place even filled up? I mean, I didn't think it, it even looked filled up to me. It did, and I, hope, I was rooting for someone to get run over by the jalopy. Not like maimed or anything, just a couple of bruises. I thought it was cute. They stormed the field. I, I'm giving them a pass. Uh, you, you know who I'm giving the Jimbo of the Week award to? The like, game of baseball, Major Major League Baseball. Have any of y'all watched one pitch of the World Series yet? Um, a little I bit. haven't. I haven't. Y'all, y'all, know, y'all know I love baseball. Um, I've not watched one pitch. I, I read a stat today, and I might be off by a little bit, so fact checkers can fact check away, but um, – Eight million viewers watched Game One of the World Series, in comparison to like twenty-five million people watch a random Sunday night NFL game. 
I mean, talk about just complete domination of eyeballs in this country. The biggest game of the MLB season is one third of just a random Sunday night game. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jimbo, Jimbo goes to MLB. Yeah, uh, I'm fine giving it to Rob Manfred at any given time. The two teams had a combined 176 wins uh, on the season. So, I mean, what do you expect? Dallas is a big media market. I don't think Phoenix is. Game one was great. I didn't stay up for the end of it. So, hey, one, one thing that's not on the, the agenda we should probably do, it is it is October 30th, Halloween tomorrow, and the rankings do come out. So we have a chance here to update our, our picks from last week, maybe, maybe hit that really quick. Well, before we do that, let me answer Josh's question real quick. So <laughs> the over-under for USC Washington is 76 and a half. Over. Hammer the The over. other thing that I find to be interesting this week is the over-under for Iowa, I believe Northwestern, is like 28 or 29 points. It's the lowest over-under in the history of college football. Hammer and the- Iowa has finally decided to not renew Brian Ferenc's contract for next year. So um, the, uh, the offensive – the Offensive offensive ineptitude at Iowa, it will be coming to an end after this season. I mean, how shitty is that? Your dad is the coach. He already threatened to fire you. And he's like, all right, mom's going to kick me out of the house. I'm not to sleep in the guest room if I fire the kids. So we're just not bringing you back next year. It's, it's like, hey, I tell my kids, you take out the trash, you do your laundry, I'll give you 20 bucks a week. Um, he, the, Kirk Ferentz is like, if you can just get me 25 points a week, I'll let you keep your job. You'll right. get your allowance. They can't even do that. Um, but my my final four at this point, after Oklahoma gets bounced, I think I'm going to go. I'm going to agree with you guys. I think Ohio State comes in at one um, on the quality of their their uh, their their two strong wins this year. Georgia two. I'm going to say Michigan three and Florida State four. Washington five. Oregon six. I'm pretty close to you, Lawrence. I'm going UGA one. Ohio State two. Michigan three. FSU four. All right, Nick Adams, document it. I've got Ohio State one. I've got Florida State two, I've got Georgia three, I've got Washington four, and I've got the cheating Harbors as the bridesmaid. Do you do you think the voters uh, hold that against Michigan? All the shenanigans going on in the last couple of weeks? I, they're going to say they don't, but yeah, I do think they they did. Some teams got to be left out. Plus, I think they'd rather have four from four different conferences. And and if as a tiebreaker, they'd love to stick it to Harbaugh right now. He's the guy's just a jackass. Fair enough. We'll see you tomorrow night. Speaking of Halloween. Um, what is everybody's children dressing up as tomorrow night? Uh, Gaines, first of all, um, you, you should appreciate the fact that I am in the comforts of my own home this week. I am not kicked out. Uh, I'm going to ask you alert in the background. So you I want to be- make sure that it's clear. Um, my daughter, Jordan Kessler, is dressing up as a batty unicorn, whatever that means. And uh, Sam Kessler is dressing up as Young Gravy, the rapper, the one-hit wonder rapper. I don't even know if he actually qualifies as a one-hit wonder. I don't even know who the hell he is. Young Gravy. What are you dressing up as, Bob Saget? The gopher from Caddyshack. Nice. Nice. I've got a Barbie, some sort of princess, and then a boxer, um, as in like a pugilist, not a dog. Uh, Graham is going to be a banana. And Isabella, I think, as of production time, has settled on Dalmatian. She's had – this is her third or fourth different costume change. She's been, had several parties that she's already been to. Each one has got to have a different wardrobe. So I think tomorrow is Dalmatian, but uh, we shall see. All right, gentlemen, excellent work as always. Everybody out there, thank you all for listening. Tell a friend. Do all that stuff. Like, comment, subscribe. Let us know what we missed. Let us know what you liked. 
And uh, as always, until next week, go dogs, boys. See y'all this weekend. Keep chopping. Go dogs. <laughs>